Mark chapter 3, as you head that direction, there's a few things coming up that are connected to all the things we've been talking about. One would be a membership class, which may not really seem very spiritual, but uh, to be a part of God's family, to be a part of a church, is one of the most important things about our following of Jesus and uh, to be a, a to be a, a to enter into covenant with this church, there's a couple of steps. And the first one is you come to this class, and we kind of give you all the things you would need to know uh, about what it means to be a covenant member here. That's going on Wednesday night. If you want to be a part of that, you can email the staff at livinghopebr.com. You can sign up in the foyer. Same uh, same process uh, on Friday night here in this room. There's a financial stewardship. Uh, Class, which also may not sound very exciting or spiritual, but it is both of those things. Um, our financial stewardship, like doing what God would do with our money if He was in our place, is incredibly important and something that is, is something we're all trying to learn more about and to mature in. And so, um, Adam Iglesias, Chelsea Smith, and, and Ray Iglesias are putting together a night. Uh, to kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts of that. So you can sign up uh, also in the foyer or by emailing us, and that's going on Friday. So Wednesday and Friday, two things that are directly connected to um, helping us be more intentional and faithful with what God is doing in our midst and through us uh, as a church. And as we continue through Mark, uh, we get to uh, a little bit of a lighter subject than last week. Last week was kind of, it was like, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that kind of stuff. I was kind of like, whoa, that was, you know, whatever. And so this week we're going to get into something that's a little bit lighter in some ways. Um, in Mark chapter 3, they have these two verses, uh, verses, verses 20 and 21. They kind of they set up a story and then Mark kind of diverts from that uh, and then he returns to it. So we're going to kind of follow that same path. And verse 20 uh, this is after appointing the twelve apostles, and it's kind of a big moment here. It says, verse 20, Then he went home, he being Jesus, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. So he calls the, the twelve, there's just all this stir going on around Jesus and his disciples, and, but it's really the things he's teaching, the, mir- the miracles he's performing, the, I mean, there's exorcisms and there's physical healings and all this kind of stuff. And there's this buzz that has uh, kind of echoed throughout uh, this part of the world. People were talking about him and all the things that he's doing, and his family uh, heard about it. And so uh, he's in Galilee at this point, his family's from Nazareth, which is not super far on a map, but if you were to walk it, it would take a little while. And uh, the word had spread back to his mom and brothers and stuff that what was going on, and they were like, this dude has lost his mind. Uh, We need to go and get him. And so uh, that's what happens there. And then Mark kind of diverts from 22 through 30. He tells the story we went into last week. Verse 31, he picks, picks back up with the mother and brothers part of the story. So look at verse 31. And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and brothers? 
And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, so for you first hear this and you're like, man, that's like super rude of Jesus, right? Like his mom and his siblings are outside and he disrespected his mom, which you don't do, right? So you're like, man, it's kind of kind of rude. Um, and it's actually much different than that. To us as Southerners, it just seems impolite and inappropriate and that kind of stuff, something that you just really shouldn't do. But what Jesus was doing here was far more radical than that in this context. Uh, for the Jewish community, they were loyal to God, supposedly. They're loyal to God and very loyal to Israel. And the way that you were most loyal to Israel was by being loyal to your family, who is like, like a little like microcosm of Israel. So everyone is super loyal to their blood, like a biological family. And in so doing, everyone is also being loyal to Israel as God's chosen people and therefore being loyal to God. And so everything in Jewish life revolved around your biological family, like your blood family. Your heritage was incredibly important. What, uh, what tribe of Israel your descendants were from was, was incredibly important. You would never marry someone who was not... 100% Jewish. That was, un, that was uh, taboo. And, and so maintaining the purity of their bloodlines and all that kind of stuff, to them it was a very spiritual thing. It, was, it, it sounds like nationalism or some sort of, some sort of weird you know, thing at first, but to them it was like, no, this is who God has called us to be. We want to preserve being God's people. And so if you married into a family, you were connected into that particular bloodline. And, and, and that kind of like made the family tree, you know, as far as like tribes and stuff, it was maybe a little bit different. But the goal was to be 100% Jewish. And then all of your life, your, your social life, your work life, your uh, religious life, um, everything was about the family. And so you went into the family business that's just what, that's what you did because that was being loyal to your family. And uh, you, um, when you married into someone's family, you married into their family business, that kind of thing. And um, when you got married, you added a room onto the family like group of homes. Uh, and so you just kind of put an addition on the house, and that's where you and your new spouse would live, that kind of thing. And everything was about the family. And so for Jesus to say this was not... It wasn't rude and it wasn't inappropriate. It was it was like groundbreaking, really. It's not that different than what he had been preaching and teaching all this time up until now, what we'll see him continue to do. He's presenting a new truth about the kingdom of God. He doesn't outright say it. You kind of have to read between the lines a little bit. But he's teaching us something that's very important about the kingdom. And this is what it is. Uh, in the kingdom of God, you have two families. You have a biological family, and you have a spiritual family. Prior to this point, in, in the Jewish community, it was just all about your biological family. It was all about the genetics and the, the line of descent and that kind of stuff. And Jesus comes in and he says, All right, I'm, I'm here to bring to you a new kingdom with a new way of doing things. And a part of that new kingdom is you also have this new family loyalty, which is what I'm going to just call the spiritual family. There's a new option. 
Um, now he's calling them out of the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of God. He's not necessarily calling them out of their biological families into the spiritual family. He's basically saying, now you just have two. We have two families. We read it again. And with that in mind, let's try to listen with first century Jewish ears if we can. Verse 31. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and brothers? Looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Life in the biological family and life in the spiritual family are governed by the same thing. It's obedience to the will of God. Like that's, what, that's what drives you into both of those families. And so Jesus is looking at these disciples. These were ones who had looked at their biological family systems and said, I think that God is calling me to do this thing over here. They had walked away from those family systems and uh, their work life and their social life and even their life of worship. All of those things, they felt God calling them out of it and it probably didn't make a lot of sense. And now Jesus has this group of disciples and he's, he's giving them context He's saying, this is why this suddenly like, makes, let me help you make sense of what's going on here. You have left the systems of your biological family and that feels weird and they're probably unhappy about it. Mine are too. They think I've lost my mind. They're here to get me. And I'm here to tell you this, that in this kingdom you have another family. That anyone who says yes to God is your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. It's kind of beautiful, really. I don't know how it was for his mom to hear that. You know, what was that like for uh, Mary, full of grace? You know, to be like, "What? Wait, what? <laughs> how would you, moms? How would you feel if your your kids were like, no, you're not really my mom. These this mom, these are all my moms. These are all my siblings.' It had to have been strange." And I think there's something that, that we as followers of Jesus have an opportunity to grab onto in a more deep way. And it's the fact that Jesus was a human being. You know, talked about this, and this is not you know, like new necessarily, but you know, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. Which we don't really get. Like We just have one nature. We have a human nature. Jesus had a human nature and a, and, and a divine nature both at the same time. And in his humility, he, uh, he didn't access, as a human, he didn't access his divine nature. He, he said no to that most of the time. And so he's operating dependent on the Holy Spirit, just like you and I are. And sometimes I think when, when we're like, uh, in terms of talking about following after Jesus and becoming like him, becoming just like our rabbi, I think there's a part of us that somewhere in our minds there's a little sliver of doubt that that's ever really possible for us. Because in our minds, sometimes Jesus is like a superhero or something, you know. It's like, yeah, but he's Jesus. Like, we're never going to do that, you know. 
But Jesus himself says, actually, you're going to do greater things than me. And I think we're like, no, I don't know about that. He's like, no, believe me, I'm God. I'm telling you, I know. And so the humanity of Jesus can become become even more tangible to us when we realize that Jesus had like a family, like you and I have a family. Like his, his dad was named Joseph and his mom was named Mary. And you take that out of the nativity scene and bring that into, a, into like his formative years. Jesus at some point was 13. At some point he was 18. At some point he was 25, you know. He had parents. Mary and Joseph had other kids. So Jesus grew up with siblings. Like this helps us like understand, like, man, Jesus was, he was like a normal human person. I mean, not normal in some ways, but normal in other ways. That he understands the ups and downs of our biological family systems and the ups and downs of our spiritual family systems. And none of that is lost on him. And at no point does he look at us and just be like, come on, get with it, you know? He is understanding, and this story helps us helps us really see his humanity in a very special way. So the big picture idea is Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, you have two families, biological family, spiritual family. When I say biological family, um, I think that that's, I mean, who you're, like, genetically, like, the family you were born into, I think that is also inclusive of families that you marry into, because you marry into, like, a genetically connected family family system. And if you are adopted, you are adopted into an existing biological system. And so I'm just using that as like an umbrella term that catches anything you can think of in terms of the people that raised you, your moms, your dads, your mother figures, father figures, siblings, all that kind of stuff. Your spiritual family uh, can be everything from like the church family that you're a part of. Like, like if you're here at Living Hill, like this, us. Uh, but you blow that all the way out to they're like capital C church all around the world. Um, any Christian that you work with that goes to another church, also part of your spiritual family. And not only bring that around the world now, but also like stretch that into like across time that we are brothers and sisters. We're in the same spiritual family as these disciples and as the early church fathers and as the martyrs of the faith and the people that started all the churches that are in Baton Rouge right now who are, are now uh, gone to be with the Lord. Like uh, all those things, all, so throughout time and all around the globe, like there's just this, this big, massive spiritual family. So blow it out as big as you want or make it as small as you want. Um, I'm going to use both of those terms to kind of just encapsulate all those ideas. So, what, okay, so Jesus is like, okay, so now you have two families. And then there are all kinds of implications from there. I'm just going to give you four that seem to be relevant. Um, been trying to a- answer the question, what does God want us to know? What does God want us to do? And I'm just going to kind of push those into one thing. Because some of these are no's, and some of these are do's, and some of these are both. So just whatever. But there's four of them. Um, the first thing that I think God wants us to really grab onto is this title that we have. You know, is to be blessed and to be kept by this title that, that Jesus bestows upon us. Look again at verse 34. And looking about at these who sat around him, he said, Here are my, bro- my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister 
and mother, that Jesus looks at your life and says, okay, well, you, you've said yes to the Father, and I've said yes to the Father, and guess what that makes us? Brothers. <laughs> Brothers don't shake hands. Right? Brothers got a hug. Like this, There's a connection that's there. And I think that sometimes, thank you for those of you who know that movie, um, sometimes I feel like it's easy for us to, to make Jesus like distant. We're singing these songs about him being, him being higher and far above things, and there's this great, magnificent name, and those, all those things are true, and we should do that. And it's not, about, it's not about trying to lower him down. It's about realizing that the same one that we're exalting and lifting high looks us in the eye and says, we're, we're family, like you are my sister, you are my brother. We are a, we are we're kin, and that's a special relationship to have. That we're co heirs with Jesus. That that He has has won this victory, this this eternal victory over sin and death, and has all the spoils of this victory that He shares with us because we are kin with Him. It's like yeah, this is your inheritance with all the saints. And so, of the things that you could really be blessed by tonight, maybe one of the things that I brought you to hear was just the fact that Jesus like, calls you family. And that term family, it might bring up a bunch of weird stuff for you. That might be a negative thing. But when Jesus says it, it's not, it's not meant to be negative. That he's redefined what that is. And so the first thing is just something for us to know. You don't even have to do anything with it other than just receive it. That he calls you brother and he calls you sister. And he wants you to be blessed and to be kept by that. That's the first thing. Second thing um, is to mend what is broken. Now, I, don't, I can't really jump into a verse here in this text. So this is me pastorally taking a little bit of liberty here. To mend what is broken. You know, as... As much as we all wish that our biological families were awesome, a lot of times they are not. You know, the family you're born into, the family you marry into, or the family you're adopted into, or whatever that, that works, that uh, sometimes every box is checked with people who love Jesus and follow him obediently. But most of the time, there are a few of those boxes that are not checked. Maybe, maybe you have a parent or a sibling, someone in that, like, in that, like your closest biological family relationships. Maybe they don't know the Lord. Maybe they used to know the Lord, and now they don't want anything to do with the Lord. Um, maybe they know Him, but, but, but maybe they're, they're built around just modifying their behavior, or maybe it's all about rule following, or maybe, you know, maybe their discipleship and their understanding of the kingdom is just different than yours. Um, so maybe there's like a, there's like, a, maybe the fabric of your biological family is torn somehow because there is like salvation that is missing or something like that. There's something that needs to be mended. Um, Sometimes the boxes that, are, boxes that are checked are because they were, uh, they're unhealthy in some kind of way. Um, sometimes it's because there was abuse and difficulty in a background. 
Um, sometimes they were, they were a part of your life, but they really weren't a part of your life. You know, there's a distance that was there. Sometimes it's because they were just literally not around, you know. Um, whatever, whatever it might be within our biological family, sometimes there are things that we would look at and say, if, if the ideal is this really well-woven fabric of a family system, that there are tears in that fabric that we grow up with, or sometimes we, even what you grew up with, it changes sometimes when you get into adulthood. Um, there are all, all kinds of, of, of just morphing and changing and stuff like that. And so for uh, various reasons, and I could just keep giving examples, but I think you know what I'm saying. Our biological families sometimes leave a little bit to be desired. And so Jesus comes in and he offers, he's like, okay, so like you have this biological family, now you have this spiritual family. And I know that the spiritual family, uh, I mean, the bride of Christ has her own issues, you know, like capital C church, uh, lowercase c, local church, Living Hope Fellowship, whatever. She has her own issues. And we all would really want for the fabric of the spiritual family to be woven perfectly this amazing tapestry of beauty and grace and goodness and all that kind of stuff. And, there, sometimes there, there, you know, there are tears in that fabric too. So what is this? What is this story? What does this tell us about the church? Um, we're working on our on our the issues over here, okay, in terms of spiritual family fabric and that kind of stuff. One thing I think is very important for us, uh, just speaking like from a pastoral perspective, is that we deeply embrace the fact that we are here to to mend. The, what is broken in each other's biological family systems. That when people come from whatever, whatever that might be and they become a part of this spiritual family, that people who grew up without a dad around suddenly have a number of dads around and moms. People whose parents are unhealthy, don't know the Lord uh, that kind of stuff, that, that they enter into this other family, this spiritual family where it's like, man, I, I have people older than me that I can trust. You know, I can't trust my biological parents because of this and this and this, but here I have uh, like people older than me, people my age, people younger than me, whatever it is, that, that I don't, I, it's, there's a safety there, there's a goodness that's there, there's at least the fact that we're all pursuing the Lord together, even with, our, with the tears in our own fabric, you know, like, we as the church have to really cherish and deeply pursue the opportunity to receive everyone that comes in and for them to be able to come into our, our church or our small groups or whatever it is and be able to say, um, this, is the, this is the family system that I come from. This is my background. And one of the first things we think of is, is how can we uh, stand in the gaps that life has brought your way through your family? That's not disrespecting the family. It's not saying walk away from your biological family. It's not saying anything like that. It's saying, could God help us to, uh, to check some of those boxes together? Can that and should that be a part of what the church is doing for one another? Can someone who is like, yeah, I've, I've, I, never, I never met my mom in my whole life, come into the church and have that healed to an extent by having some moms come in and stand in the gap. Could that be a part of what Jesus has in mind 
in his kingdom when he's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you from having one family, I'm going to give you two. And no matter what drama is going on in your biological family, I'm going to bring you into a spiritual family with her own drama, but at least all that drama is headed in the same direction. You know, I think it's very important that we as Christians, as part of a church, realize that that is what God has... As a part of what God has called us to do. So when you see in the New Testament, when they're like, yeah, we need to take care of the widows, and we need to take care of the orphans. God's looking at the spiritual family and saying, hey, in, the, in some biological families, there are some of these husbands that have died, and their widows need to be taken care of by the spiritual family. Hey, in the biological family, there are parents who have died, and there are kids that don't have parents, so guess who needs to be their parents? The spiritual family. Hey, because of biological family systems and failures, there are people who are poor and people who are needy, people who are hungry and people who are in all kinds of trouble. Guess, guess where their rescue comes from? It comes from Jesus through the spiritual family. We need to see those fitting together and just grab onto it. To where in our community groups, we're just, we are getting to know each other's stories enough to know How can we help mend what has been broken by sin and by life? The first thing, be blessed and kept by your title. Second thing, mend what is broken. Third thing, invite Jesus into your family drama. Now, I mostly mean biological family drama. The same applies to your spiritual family drama. But I'm not going to talk about that so much. But we all know that's a part of our drama as, as church, I'm not saying we have drama now, I'm just saying in general, that's a part of what we do, is we invite the Lord into it. And so, just know that that's a thing. But let me go over to the biological family side. Inviting him into whatever's going on in your family is an important thing. And this is part of why. Back in verse 21 of chapter 3, It says, when his family heard all that was going on, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he's out of his mind. Jesus understands what it's like when your family doesn't understand you. And if there is something in your life where your biological family, uh, maybe they aren't believers, maybe they don't believe in the same way that you do, maybe they look at you and they're like, Man, you're you're too you're too connected to your church. You're too this. You're too this. You know whatever it might be, and you were just to like label it as like yeah they don't get me. Well, your brother Jesus understands that because his biological family didn't get him either. In fact, they were trying to go seize him and bring bring him back because they thought he was crazy. They had lived, uh, I mean, all uh, like thirty years of his life, he had been with them. And they still were just like, yeah, we don't, we don't really know what his deal is. And so if there is drama in your biological family, and it is in great part because of your loyalty to Jesus, or your loyalty to the spiritual family, um, Jesus understands that tension between those two families. And how sometimes your biological family just looks at you and they're like, you're so weird. Why would you pray about that? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you just do this or this or this? Why would you handle it that way? And there are just times when the two families are looking at each other and they're like, man, we, we don't get each other at all. 
And so inviting Jesus into it, it makes sense because Jesus knows how to navigate it. I mean, with his mom standing outside the deal, he's like, he's like that, who's my mom? Who's my brothers? You know, like he had this whole exchange. And that wasn't sinful. He knows how to make it through those tensions without sinning. And he will guide you. He will. He will assure you it's going to be okay. Jesus knows how to deal with the drama between the biological family and the spiritual family. And so inviting him into that is going to be an important part of how you apply what he's doing here and what he's teaching here. Fourth thing, and I'll close. Don't give up on your family. And don't give up on your spiritual family. That's a thing. But I'm going to go towards the biological family again. Don't give up on your biological family. They may not know the Lord. They may be used to know the Lord, but they don't walk with Him now. Or maybe, you know, there could be all those different things. There could be just be a laundry list of stuff while, while it, they just exhaust you. And there could just be so much that's there because the world has broken us. You know, and some of you, that's no, it's, it's never more obvious in your life than it is within some of the people that you are genetically tied to. You know, do not give up on them. So, what verse does that come from here? Well, it doesn't really come from a verse, it comes from the fact that Jesus, one of the brothers that came this day, his name was James, and James thought that Jesus was crazy. James traveled to Galilee to try to bring him back. James wanted nothing to do with it. If you read John chapter 7, it talks about none of his brothers believed him. James didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And then, suddenly, after he watched Jesus get crucified and raised from the dead, he's like, okay, I kind of believe now. If you go to the right in your Bible just a little way, there's a book called James that he wrote. And he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And Because um, Jesus didn't give up on him. I'm not saying that your family members are going to go on to write books of the New Testament or anything. but Did Jesus give up on his family? No. He also didn't go with them that day. He's like, I just, I got to stay obedient to what I know God has for me. That you can be obedient to what God has. You can be like deeply connected to your spiritual family, and you can be deeply connected to your biological family, even if they're a mess. That you don't have to forsake one for the other. That here you are, like bring those circles, merge them together. That's your life. But don't give up. Don't stop praying for your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, your aunts, uncles. Don't give up praying for your friends. Don't ever give up praying for the people that God has put heavily on your heart who don't know Him and His goodness in the way that they were designed to know Him. Don't give up. Jesus knows what it's like to have people close to Him who do not believe. He knows the burden, He knows the weight. If Jesus had given up on James, would he have still written the New Testament? I, I mean, written the book of James in the New Testament? I don't know. I mean, he, whatever. It doesn't matter. He didn't give up on him. 
He can relate to you and the things that are going on within your family. So I hope that you are encouraged with that. Uh, There are a lot of stories around this room about people who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for people to come to know Jesus, and they didn't. Just hang in there. Don't give up. So embrace the title that he has for you. Mend what's broken. Make that important, increasingly important to us. Invite him into the drama in our families and don't give up. And you might be you might not know Jesus either. You know, like you might be here just for whatever reason, you might be like, I don't even know what that means. I'd love to talk to you about that. If that's a part of the response, if you're like, I need to talk to someone about that, then I'll be down here somewhere. You'll find me. But I bet that I bet that with a subject like this, there are all kinds of different application points around the room. As soon as I read it, you probably some of you guys probably just went down direction. You're like, I don't even know what those four random points were, but I got my own point. <laughs> That's fine too. But Jesus just offers Himself. You know, He He holds out His life to us. So wherever this connects, whether it's about your biological family or about your spiritual family or just about you and him, however, whatever it is, he has what we need. And in these moments, we really just want to let him move among us in the way that he wants to move. And so communion is one of those things for us. Um, that you, you tear the bread and you dip it in the cup. And that's Jesus, he's saying... It's my body broken for you. It's my blood poured out for you. That's the response to any, anything that you want him to do. Anything that you're like, uh, you're like, yeah, like I, I need to do this because of what Jesus has been stirring, what I feel stirring in me right now. The response is always going to be to him. You're coming to him and he's offering himself to you. And that exchange, there's a beautiful grace that happens there. You can come and pray at these steps. We're going to be singing. You can sing. You can do a mixture of all those things. But God looks at us and says, Hey, I'm going to make a family out of people who aren't related. And I'm going to make a family out of people who are related. And between the two of them, I'm going to, I'm going to do some amazing things among you. And so all we really need to do is say yes to him. So if your yes looks like communion or prayer or singing or a mixture of those, whatever your yes looks like, then we want to give you the space to do that before we dismiss. So let's stand together and pray for us. And how about you just how about you just close your eyes and bow your head and um, maybe just give it give some thought to where this reaches into your life. Um, because you know you know yourself what do you need to say yes to um, was related to your biological family Do you need to say yes to a refusal to give up on them? Do you need to say yes to inviting them into drama that's going on?
what you need to say yes to with your spiritual family? What do you just need to say yes to him about in general for your life? Jesus, thank you for uh, a simple word. But, there, but you're telling us a lot in those few verses. I'm thankful that you uh, didn't sell out in that moment. That whatever, however awkward that may have been, that just wasn't relevant to you. I'm thankful that you look at us and you say, anyone that said yes to the Father, you're, we're connected. We're one family. I'm thankful that this is a room of brothers and sisters to one another and to you and that you are moving in our lives. And so no matter what it is that we are stepping to the table or kneeling in prayer or uh, proclaiming with our voices, whatever it is that's stirring within us, uh, we just give you these, these last few moments and just in concentrated time and energy that this would be uh, what you want it to be before we dismiss. May you be honored by our approach and uh, by our stewardship of the things you've stirred in us through the songs, through the scriptures, through um, our fellowship with each other tonight. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. The table is open. You can come when you are ready. Let's just give him these closing moments together.